In this episode of the Bob Live Podcast, I interview Braden Chevry and talk to him about the current state of the Red Sox. All right, I'm here again with Braden Chevry, host of the After the Horn Podcast, and I'm here to talk with him since it's been almost a month since we last talked, Braden. So, Braden, welcome back. Yeah, it feels like just yesterday, but uh, thank you for having me back. I guess I didn't make too many people uh, angry last time. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people enjoyed your presence and the interview i got a few compliments from my friends that's why we're here again today so last time i i kind of talked with you we, we were terrible socks were terrible they haven't oh, yeah. really turned their season around yet but then thank gosh we're above 500 now two games above 500 mm-hmm. and a lot of factors have been the reason why we're where we are so what do you think has been the biggest improvement well, I, I think I've been I've been listening to a lot of what Alex Cora has said after some of the games and especially last night, which we can talk about a little bit. But um, I I think pitching is, is picked it up. I, I think um, my goodness, I'm sure we're going to talk about Trevor's story and, and the comments <laughs> we made last time oh, and, boy. And, and his impact. But no, the, the pitching's really picked it up. Um, you, you got a consistent four, you know four pitchers and rich hill and whatever bullpen guys they want to put in have kind of been up and down but um you're giving the bullpen rest and that is always the key to success so uh they dropped some pretty easy games with the reds and the orioles all that but uh they they have picked it up and now are over 500 so um, I, I think the message in the in the clubhouse was okay we're, we're zero and zero now let's let's move from here yeah, I think the offense definitely has ramped up a lot because, I mean, look at all the categories. I think we're like first in doubles. I know we're first in hits, extra base hits, I think batting average as of a few days ago too. So I think that's one huge factor. And then obviously, like you mentioned, the starters have been really good, especially Waka, Pavetta at times. Um, although at the end, he had a little bit of a meltdown yesterday. He walked mm-hmm. the first two hitters, which led – to uh Andrew Velasquez three run home run. I'm I'm I was so mad. And it was it was like 12 30 in the morning too. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, no, nah, I'm not saying it. But <laughs> but yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I think the starting pitching has been re- especially good. I mean, it was even a question mark coming into the season. So to be in early June and having it really good, I, I that's a W for me. Yeah, um, it, you know, yeah. the the Red Sox, uh, we look at Evaldi, and he's kind of been our guy for the past couple of years, but it's been a pretty traumatic shift for the past couple of years in, in Red Sox pitching. You go back to Porcello, um, Price, Sale, uh, Erod. These are guys who uh, obviously Sale's still on the team, but are no longer taking he's the not, money he's for not, the Red not Sox. Really. Yeah, really. I mean, he, he just collects his paycheck and rehabs all year, but um like the that's a that, that's a solid starting five that's just gone for practically nothing uh over time so it it is kind of a a pitching rebuild uh organizationally for the Red Sox and you know for having a lot of quote-unquote nobodies coming up to the majors and pitching it's it's worked out really well for them 
I think you're being a little bit generous there in terms of <laughs> nobodies. I mean, Tyler Danish. I mean, he's been okay, but he's not. Yeah. Well, he's not like I don't know. Uh, who's a good reliever? Uh, Clay Holmes right now. That's a guy who yeah. I kind of look at. I'm like, you got Austin Davis instead of Clay Holmes. I, I'm really mad about that. But anyways, that's not. I mean, the point. Freaking Winch- Winchowski. Winchowski. Okay. Yeah, Winchowski. To be fair. To be fair. He he looks like he has the stuff though. He oh. He he has been phenomenal in the in the past couple times I've seen him, but I'd never heard of him. I didn't even hear about him in AAA or anything like that. He's just a nobody. Yeah, I mean, he's only made one start, then got booted right down. But, yeah. I mean, in that start, he did. I mean, it's what what you really expect from a rookie in your major league debut. You have a lot of butterflies. You know, you have the stuff, Absolutely. and he did show he had the stuff. Yeah. In my opinion, his, his arm looks very good. Obviously, location stuff is is like you said, the butterflies and experience and all that. But he, he can throw the ball, which is what you need to do. Yeah, um, I think I'll call, go to our second question, um, kind of relating to the starting pitching. Um, my friend Nate, who's the co-host of the, this podcast, he, he says he or he said rather back in an earlier episode, if the Red Sox are going to win, they got to they got to change how the pitching is being handled. And oh boy, oh boy, I love how it's being handled right now. They're letting starters go the length they want. They're letting you saw th- we have three complete games. Three out of ten complete games have been from Red Sox pitchers. Do you like yeah. how they've been um, being handled? I do. I think the MLB as a organization, you're going to see some more of that uh, in the next coming weeks, as you know, with the the spring training debacle, especially this year um, and the weather, all that, you know, pitching is a very injury ridden position. I mean, look at, look at the Mets alone right now. Uh, the number one pitching, you know, projected team going in and now they're, they're turning to literally double a guys, uh, on the mound, but it's, it's going in the, in the right direction. We're starting to see who has it and who doesn't, uh, Matt Barnes doesn't, and we'll, we'll go into that later, but, um, it, it is good. This is the time of year where pitchers are able to use all their pitches, you know, uh, scouting's out there. There's really nothing to hide. So you just need to perfect what you have already shown. Uh, whereas in the first couple months, you know, maybe you throw the slider three times a game instead of, you know, twice an inning type thing. Um, so I think we're seeing all the pitchers have, and that includes their stamina and, it's it's been a huge component to why the Red Sox have been winning. Yeah, speaking of starting pitching, Garrett Whitlock. Oh boy, oh boy, we've seen what he's been able to do as a starter. I do not like him in the starting ro- rotation. I like him in the bullpen, and I think that's a good spot for him, especially where this bullpen is going to be a month from now. If Sale comes back, I know we just talked about Sale, but <laughs> if Sale comes back, then I think he's the guy Whitlock's the guy you send down to the bullpen. And I think he should serve the role he served last year. He was really good at it. Uh, sub two ERA. And as a starter, I think it's a above three or four ERA, which is, eh, he's a good pitcher, but I think his true value goes in the bullpen. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, I liked him as a closer in the beginning of the year. Um, that's where I wanted him right now. Not so much. I think he could be a middle long reliever guy. Um, but I, I do agree with you in saying his spots in the bullpen. I just, I I don't find him looking confident in the top of the first. I see him looking confident 
in the sixth on. Um, now that might just be a pressure thing. That might be, you know, what, whatever he's used to coming in in pressure built situations. So when there is no pressure, sometimes that screws with you. And we, and we've seen that with, um, pitchers going from starter to bullpen. And, and a lot of times that happens with age, but yeah, overall, I, I find his place in the bullpen. And if sale comes back, he's definitely not a guy I'd say is a triple a starter. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, I'd say he is a, a major league level pitcher. So I think you'd have to move him to the bullpen, even if you want him to get you four, three innings. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking with one of my other friends and he said, well, who do you move Whitlock or Hill? And I say, you got to move Whitlock because right now I think Hill, correct me if I'm wrong. Hill's the only lefty in our starting rotation. Yep. And to have one lefty with Chris sale in your starting rotation, I don't like that, but. I mean, I heard Paxton might not come back, so we'll see yeah. about that. But I think, I think Whitlock. I don't think his role is the closer, though. I, no, I will say that. No, I, I, will I say also that. agree with that. And I, I think uh, Rich Hill has has been a roll of the dice this year. Some games he's great. Some games he's old and slow and just getting <laughs> yeah. hit around. Uh, it, it genuinely scares me when I see the notification that he's the starting pitcher. I, I think we're either going to get a shout out or, uh, give up eight in the second inning. So, so what's your prediction for tonight? So I think he's on the Hill tonight. Uh, that's, that's scary. Um, no, he, he had a little bit of a rough game last time he was out there. So I expect him to bounce back. He's one of those 500 guys. I know his win loss record doesn't show that, but He's been involved in a lot of games in which he gets a no decision. And a lot of those games have been close one run games in which the Red Sox have come out on top. Yeah. I mean, I know I keep saying, I mean, but I I think in terms of Rich Hill, he, he can bounce back oh, after yeah. a start. He, he, he has veteranosity as people like to say, Oh yeah, his veteran presence being 42 really helps him. So, and um, I, I really like him as an addition to this team. Um, you know, one, one of the older guys out there, obviously mass native. So playing for his hometown team and probably his farewell tour. But um, I, it was a signing that I was like, oh, I never, I never thought of that. Uh, he, he's a, a pitcher who for the past 10, 15 years, uh, a household name, not in the way Mike Trout is, but as a guy, you know, plays in the MLB. And, and I found that, especially, like I said, with this mini rebuild of pitching, obviously sale is up there, but, and some of our bullpen guys are up there, but with our, you know, two through five slot in the starters or two through four, I guess. Uh, and the prospects we have in AAA, a 42 year old is a huge, huge clubhouse presence. And even with Cora, you know, coming back after a little while and, this team trying to figure it out, a very young outfield, uh, not even just Hill's position, but I, I was really happy with the signing to see. Um, I kind of compare it to the Celtics and they had the perfect balance of youth and, and experience. So I, I think that's what Hill brings. Yeah. So I think we should uh, move on to the next question, Alrighty. which also relates to the bullpen. <laughs> So I think we should get at least two solid reliever arms come the trade deadline. Cause yeah. we, I think we're lacking depth. I think we're yeah. lacking 
consistent start uh, consistent arms i mean that goes with every team you're you're gonna get a bad outing every once in a while from a relief pitcher but for the red sox there's there are no truly great arms other than maybe matt strom and tanner hauk and robles occasion occasion but mm-hmm. he's very roll the dicey as i like to call it yeah and, and, him I, and I think Deacon too so do you think yeah. we should get a, a few arms come the trade deadline i i said it the last time i was here bullpen is the the most needed position of every mlb team in my opinion uh i thought like some of the names you mentioned matt strom has been unbelievable i personally think he's outperforming himself but again that's only helping us uh jake diekman has had a few really good innings overall hasn't been great but he's come in a lot and given an inning maybe two and even some of that situational stuff um but yeah, I, I think I think bullpen it can never hurt. The only problem is uh, salary cap, payroll, all that. How much are we willing to spend? Because I think if we're looking for an improvement on our bullpen, we're gonna have to bite a big contract. Because although maybe they haven't been performing to the best, we do have a lot of big names or uh, role players in our bullpen. So if we don't want to move any of them and we want to go for more of a prospect trade type thing, those are going to be some big prospects. That's where I look to our shortstop position. Uh, but if we do want to kind of one for one trade it, uh, I do think, you know, maybe two of our bullpen guys got to go uh, attached with a, a nobody uh, in our minor league system. Yeah, I think um, trade bait. I think JBJ could be very much a trade piece. I said this to Nate. And with Franchi is unbelievable right now. So might as well. Yeah. JBJ, maybe even Dahlbeck if you're willing to move up Cassis, but yep. Jaron Duran is a guy who would replace Bradley in my opinion, because you move, you can put him in right. Cause he's pretty fast and he's a good defender. It's just his bat is a question, but in his, well, that's, in that's his major, that's where grand slam Franchi comes in. <laughs> You know, every time he's up at bat, bases could be empty. You're you're still worried about giving up a four run shot. Four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Franchi, but yeah, like I said, JBJ could be. But you you you're saying you were saying about prospects and what are these relief pitchers on the trade block going to look like? Are they worth a top ten prospect in your system? Because that's what teams are going to ask for. They're going to ask for a Jeter Downs or. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a prospect. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, well, o- overall, it, the the teams that are selling are at the bottom of their division. Um, and so I know there's a lot of tight races right now, but you could find a, a reliever from the Cubs, the Giants even. Um, yeah, that's a fair Seattle, Detroit, stuff like that. Like, there are a lot of good teams that aren't necessarily in a great spot right now. Um, and a lot of those teams, the one thing they have is like five average bullpen guys. I think, I don't know if we have, excuse me. I don't know if we have the assets to trade for the bullpen guy, but I think we could probably get an average bullpen guy and hope he turns on the jets. Um, but yeah, they're, they're these teams that are selling like Kansas city as a deep bullpen again, all average, but that's one of their strengths. Um, Arizona, even their bullpens aging. 
So, you know, more, more veteran, uh, people in that regard. Veteranosity. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh is middle of their, uh, mm. division and, you know, their bullpen has been one of the only bright spots. The bats are starting to heat up for them, but the bullpen has, has done its work. So, uh, yeah, I definitely say you look elsewhere. I'm, I'm not looking inner division because I think every team except for the Red Sox has all those roles filled in terms of, oh, in this situation, we go to this guy. In this situation, we go to this guy. And the Red Sox have some of that, but it's not as concrete as the rest of the East. Yeah, I mean, one thing I don't like about uh, Heim Bloom, he tries to be cute and get no uh, no name pitchers who who end up overperforming, like Matt Strom. Yeah. I was very skeptical about him and Jake Diekman. I was very skeptical of them two coming into the season because I knew they were coming off down years. Strom coming out of a hurt year, but Diekman. He, I mean, it was a sub three ERA, but that's not. Yeah that's average but we have josh taylor coming back too so that's oh well, not soon but maybe i heard late july early august nope. that's one arm but i don't want to see bloom being too cute at the trade deadline like he did last year other than schwarber another speaking on the trade deadline do you think we need a first baseman i i do i'm i'm not a huge bobby fan um I think he can deliver at times, but most of the time he's cold with the bat, um, which is really what you're looking for in a first baseman. He's, you know, you don't need a gold glove first baseman. You, you need somebody who can hit the ball out of the park. Um, Eric Hosmer was a guy I was looking at in the beginning of the year. I think he's too hot right now to be sold by the Padres. Um, but he was definitely someone... Um, I like the idea of Joey Votto again, unrealistic, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think there, there is a veteran first baseman that we could find out there. Yeah. I think, I think that's a lot to ask for too, because the men, the names you mentioned, Joey Votto, Eric Hosmer, they have very large contracts mm. and you got to eat that, eat that up somehow. And maybe it's like, you know, we'll give you this prospect and pay you this much of the, his remaining contract. Nope. That's something you can do. Think I, I don't think the Padres will sell because no, no. They, 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 they spend way too much, in my opinion. Yeah. They, they're also in a decent spot because there are three wildcard teams. Another question is, are the Red Sox going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline? And currently, I, I think we have a third wildcard. Thank gosh, there are three wildcards <laughs> or this team would be in so much trouble. Right. Thanks, Manfred. Never Thank thought I'd you. say that. No, well, well, I, it'd be mo more trouble if there were sixteen teams. Yeah, put it put it that way. But yeah, but, I think uh, again, it it all comes down to your record on deadline day. But right now, I I think the Red Sox have this swagger, this confidence about them uh, that they are buyers, and rather than getting someone at the deadline. And having that kind of two week of chemistry weirdness of meeting your new teammates playing on the same day. Uh, we've seen overall statistically baseball performance go statistically down um, or severely down, excuse me, 
after the trade deadline, those two weeks after, because there's just so many new pieces to every team. So if we can get someone sooner than later and maybe hit a little bit of a minor skid uh, and add some more, especially arms at the deadline, if we can get a bat or two uh, before the deadline, I think that would be great. I think we're kind of in the uh, situation we were last year. Maybe not so much first base because of Franchi, but you saw Bobby D wasn't that good. Um, I'm yeah. trying to think of our back. Our backup set, first baseman was Marwin Gonzalez for crying out. <laughs> but, <laughs> he was our backup everything though. So that, that guy can play everything but pitcher. Why not? Why not pitcher? Well, I, I mean, he, I'm sure he could, but he, he has played everything but pitcher. Yeah. He's on the Yankees now. You can see his must. Oh, uh, no, no beards. Sorry, no beards in New York. Sorry. Oh, of course. But uh, how about that Carpenter mustache? Oh, I, wow. We were just talking about him, too, in the he's, last he's episode. Matt bombs. Carpenter. Wow. That, I, that Yankees team continues to, to be a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I know we don't like him because of the Cardinals, but my goodness, I, I love me some Matt Carpenter. We'll make a whole a whole episode on Heath Embry and Matt Carpenter. <laughs> A joint episode, yeah. Yes, that will be the next episode. Bob Love episode six. Heath Henry yeah. and Matt Carpenter. Most Maybe they should join. To. They should join us. They should. Join oh, us. I, I, th- I think they would. Oh, they would. Yeah. Um, another question based off the bullpen. You said in the last episode, and it's really stuck out to me. Actually, the Red Sox, even though they don't really have the arms, they gotta name someone who can close out, get you those two, to get you those three outs mm-hmm. in the ninth inning. Who do you think is most suitable for that role? Whether it be Tanner Houck, Matt Strom, Hansel Worldblaze, who do you think it is? If you're if you're putting me in Alex Cora's position and you're saying we need to win the baseball game tonight, we're up by one run, who are you putting in? I go with Matt Strom. I I I really like him. He's been able to get two to three innings worth, but he has just been our overall best pitcher in the bullpen. Jake Diekman has been the best one-inning pitcher in the bullpen. Robles, also not awful. He's been a good one-inning pitcher. He's going to get hit around a little bit. He's not going to give you strikeout stuff like Diekman or Strom, uh, but he knows how to keep it under control. And if he's going to give up anything, it's going to be one, two runs at the most. These other guys uh, can give up those multi, multi-run innings. Um, but yeah, Matt Strom has just looked electric right now. Uh, so I, I'd say it's between him and Diekman, in my opinion. And, you know, we, you, you can all do it situationally. But I, I like like I said last episode I was on, I, I think it's a morale and a, and a confidence thing to actually name a starter. And if there's a night where you're like, okay, I think Diekman might be the move tonight, cool. But we know Strom is our number one guy. Couldn't agree more with you there, Braden. Maybe over time you put Tanner Houck there. I think that that could be a not so much a long-term investment, but kind of a long-term investment. I, I, if he's not starting, I want him in a high-pressured role, I think. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, and you got to get some value out of him. And you got to, I don't know how to put it, but if he's not a starter, you got to put him in a good role. That's what I, that's what I yeah, I, I like him as a starter. Um, but again, I, I, I'd put him in the rotation over Whitlock. Um, but if both of them are going to be in the bullpen for those multi innings, I, I do like Whitlock there. Uh, how another fast arm. Um, and you know, 
if if push comes to shove, his his value right now is pretty high. We could get rid of him. I don't love that though. Um, with having just acquired him, um, but yeah, an, another good arm that needs to uh, be put in a role because he can really do it all. Here's here's a question. The Red Sox surprisingly haven't won a series against a divisional opponent this season, mm. and we're in early June. Mm-hmm. Granted, they've only played so many series against divisional opponents, but one was against the Orioles. Like, come on, two of them, <laughs> two of them. Yeah, we like, we we dropped uh, three out of five against the Orioles, and two awful. out of three against the Orioles. It's just listen, I know my Blue Jays are mean to you guys, and and. Uh... They like they like to beat up on you, but yeah. uh, Yankees have been the Yankees, um, and the the Rays again. I think are better against us than most teams. Uh, I think that's just in history. We're going to lose to them in the regular <laughs> season, um, but yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad when you have Cincinnati and Baltimore and don't finish positive at the end of that stretch. Yeah. We got to take advantage of these weak teams. And I understand here and there you lose it, it happens, but to lose to just brutally on, I mean, look at the Cincinnati series. You lost on a base, uh, not base running error. No, you lost on two throwing errors Yeah, by Devers and Bogarts, the left side of the infield. And I mean, Nate, Nate said, and on this podcast, the Red Sox have made very few errors, but boy, have they made them count. Absolutely. And they've been the deciding factors in some series. Yeah. And another way we've lost, I went I went to the game where the, the Red Sox blew the 6 nothing and the 8-2 to two lead. Yikes. But, yeah. I mean, but but it happens, and that, that only happens to a team like once or twice a year. That, that'll happen. That'll happen. But It's... It's but the then, beauty of baseball. It's why we play the games. It's why there's no mercy rule. Um, but, you know, if, if you're blowing the lead like that, that's going to translate into three or four games, or it's going to translate into three or four games in a positive way. Um, you, you can, you know, have no backbone, give up a lead like that. Your pitching's off for the next week because everybody's gassed. Your hitters are demoralized, all that. But at the same time, it can be like, whoa, 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 that's not happening again. Let's put up 20 because we surely can't blow a 20 run lead. Yeah, no run. No run is safe in baseball. I will say. Yep. I will say. Another thing I was going to mention was uh, the future going forward. Mm -hmm. We play so much of the division in July and August. We've seen the division play earlier in the year, and, and we just talked about it. It's been bad, and we haven't really taken advantage of it. There are going to be teams, like you said, that are always going to be a tough opponent, whether they're hot or cold. Do you Are you worried about the month of July and August since it's very much divisional play? Yeah, I, I think there, there's a blessing and a curse to our division. We are a top three, in my opinion, division in the league. Uh, other than I, I'd say we're the best in the AL and maybe the NL, you know, West, NL East. Are two Definitely the NL fairly, East. Fairly good divisions. Um, but, yeah, it's it's all about what's, what's going on around the division. 
And obviously those games mean more because you're quite directly taking a win away from another person trying to get that playoff spot. You know, it's great when you win and the Yankees lose on the same day, those, you know, add up stuff like that. But when it is directly affecting your standings and the guys sitting behind the monster have the opportunity to switch nameplates after the ninth inning of a divisional game, it's, it's huge. The energy is electric. Those games, uh, you know, sell out more. It's, it's much was, excuse me, much watch. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Must watch baseball. That, there we go. Um, uh, no matter what division it is, it could be Diamondbacks Giants and you're still going to watch it. Um, and especially, like I said, in the AL East with so many power hitters more than anything, you know, you got some pitching on the Yankees, you got some pitching on the Blue Jays, um, but just the absolute power, you know, one through five, uh, like Trey Mancini hitting bombs, uh, G-Man Choi hitting bombs, uh, Devers story hitting bombs. Gallo not hitting bombs, yeah. uh, but the rest of that lineup hitting bombs. Like, um, it, it's a Vladdy Jr. bombs. It's a power, power, power. Santiago Espinal. No, no bombs for him. But uh, <laughs> no, but that's that's I think more than anywhere that is where our pitching needs to be set. We need our roles. We need our guys. We need our situational awareness in who's coming in and can. Uh, close those out because they might be high scoring games, but they're sure as hell going to be close games. Agreed there, sir. And I think we can wrap it up here, but before we go Stanley cup update, who do you like? <laughs> um, I, I was, I was talking to someone the other day. You got the Rangers who Igor has been a brick wall and he deserves a ring. Uh, you got the lightning who are spectacular, just gorgeous hockey to watch. Uh, still a little upset they beat my team in the cup final, but I think winning three in a row would be absolutely uh, in- incredible. One is incredible. Two is spectacular. Three is phenomenal. Uh, and as a hockey fan, you know, the Canadian maple syrup in my blood just loves to watch good hockey. On the other side of things, Colorado, I... Mm-mm. No, I don't like them. Um, they they have a lot of good talent. I miss Nazem Kadri. Uh, sucks to see what happened to him, but I just I got a good feeling about the East this year. So I I personally like to see the Rangers win it all. Um, but you know, anyone on the East, I'll be happy with. I mean, yeah, the Rangers lost night look terrible they were oh yeah missing so many good chances like yep. i don't watch hockey that much but i know a missed chance when i see a missed chance and if they yeah. play like that in game six it's over and no, i think absolutely. the lightning's got a lot of momentum being down 2-0 and then has a chance to come back uh oh two and then win it yeah that's crazy and, and it, hockey's all about momentum and it's my question is how how good is Vasilevsky going to be? But but I mean yeah. he's he's been phenomenal. Uh, obviously gave up a lot in game one. Uh, it 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 just looked like a different hockey team. But um, 
Yeah, like you said, hockey is all about momentum, and especially Tampa. The the reason they they've won back to back cups is uh, their their resilience and all that. Now Vasilevsky just uh, going down 2-0. This is the first time he's lost back to back playoff games, um, which was huge. So obviously, you know he can bleed, so to speak. Um, he is human, but no, I. I'm very, very scared uh, if I'm a New York fan at what Tampa's going to bring out next game in the most important game of That's any, Tampa. any series. Yeah, uh, obviously game seven is is huge if it goes that far. Game one in any series is huge seeing who gets ahead. But uh, I've always said game five, if you have to watch one game in a seven-game series, watch game five. Yeah. Okay, Braden, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure. We'll have you on definitely again during the summer as we plan to roll out episodes. And yeah, thank you. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course.